0: Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school.
1: Everyone, I am Anna Brown with Living Joyfully, and we are so glad you have joined us for this episode of the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. I am joined by my co-host Pamela Riccia and Erica Ellis. Welcome to you both. Hi. I wanted to mention one of the new focus courses we have available at the Living Joyfully shop. It's called Navigating Family Gatherings. It's kind of a timely topic for this season for many of us. And We will continue to be adding things to the shop, so we just love it if you could pop in there periodically and see what's new and share it. um, You can follow the link in the show notes or you can go to livingjoyfullyshop.com. But before we get started, we wanted to remind everyone that with this Unschooling Rules series, we use the word rules in quotes to draw attention to the fact that they're No such thing as a rule. (laughs) Not when it comes to unschooling, for sure. It can feel easier to reach for that set of rules to follow, especially when we're learning something new. But we want to offer you the space to look within, to find what makes sense to you and what makes sense to the individual members of your family. There are no unschooling police, nobody is gonna drop by your house and give you a failing grade or the A+. You know, our goal with this series is to explore these apparent rules that are floating around and cultivate an environment for self-discovery, inquiry, agency, and growth. You know, and we're going to change up our format a bit and just have an open discussion about the topic area. And I think it's going to be a a lively, fun conversation because we're going to be talking about food. (laughs) Erica, do you want to get us started?
2: Okay, so... I'm excited. We decided to call this episode Unschooling Rules About Food because I don't think there is even one particular food rule that comes to mind when we think of unschooling, but there are a lot of beliefs, fears, misconceptions that people have, and it is a topic that people are asking about all the time. And so I thought we could start out um, with sharing what some of those beliefs are. And so I'll just list off a couple and then we'll go from there. Um, So here's a few that I've heard over the years. The first one goes, if kids can eat whatever they choose, they'll only eat ice cream or Mm. fill in the blank, whatever the thing is that feels the scariest. Kids cannot be trusted to know what their bodies need. We as adults need to pass along what we've learned to them so that they could be healthier than we were when we were kids. Kids should eat how we've learned works well for us to eat. <laughs> and also, <laughs> that unschoolers must just not care much about physical health. If, you know, if they're letting their kids eat what they want, what they choose to eat, they, physical health must not be important. Right. They just don't care at all.
1: (laughs) I think we've all heard all of those and more. And when people are just first diving into
0: this. Oh, yeah. I think it's so interesting to think about those. And I, I would love to hear like in the comments below or whatever, like what rules come to mind for you. And even though we're giggling here, that's because we have spent lots of time processing through this because this is a huge conventional wisdom piece and because and it, it comes down to that well, that, that last one you were talking about that oh we must not care about our kids health but no it's a different way of thinking about it and I think we're going to bring that same kind of um analysis that we bring to all our unschooling rules episodes in that oh you know what people really are so very different people's bodies function so very different and when we can start to look just look through that lens and just have conversations with each other we can start to just pick that apart peel back those layers around because people are different I mean it's not hard to get someone to say yes to that right off the bat (laughs) but the depth to that is incredible. Like it applies to everything from relationships to food, to sleep, to how we like to engage with the world, to, you know, just all how we react to constraints, like everything is wrapped up in how people are different. And so when we can hold together that, oh my gosh, you know, this feels good to me. What So we're talking about food. So eating this way feels good to me. My body feels really good. We di- We can hold that completely. That is our truth. And yet also to be able to hold that. And also I don't need to tell everybody else, my <laughs> partner, my best friend, my children that, oh my gosh, I'm feeling so good eating this way. You should do this too. Right. Because we're sharing. Our, it's like, you know, when you first get to unschooling, you go, oh my gosh, everybody should unschool. <laughs> right. Because it's working really well. I'm really excited about it to be able to hold that unschooling is really exciting. This way of eating is really exciting and working really well for me. And yet it may be different for other people. It may be different for other families to be able to hold those together. That, I mean, for me, that's kind of the first step because then once you get to that point, then you're actually can shift to being open and curious and learning about our kids and food and, you know, how it feels to them and supporting them in their choices. It's like journeying alongside them, I think, right? And the funny thing, funny, is that, you know, my kids... Uh, didn't have a lot of, didn't have too much weight to around food. Like I didn't find non until they were a little bit older and this idea, but I wasn't overly judgmental about food, even when they were younger. Um, but to realize that, oh, I can also discard a lot of the weight that I've been carrying around about the messages that I grew up with and that I was getting from society in general I was kind of like a newbie (laughs) on this journey alongside them. So I was exploring food and and was exploring food, learning what felt good, all those pieces. And and I jumped to like we were talking on the last episode and it changes over time and I learn more. It's not something where I'm looking for the answer. And this is the way I want to eat forever. And then judging myself if I you know, eat in a different way, etc. Or change something up. It's more about understanding ourselves and figuring out what's working for us and exploring and playing and like just having all those interesting things like ice cream for breakfast is not going to hurt anyone. Ice cream for breakfast for a week for a month, you know, is is not going to hurt. But it's exploring that. In having the conversations, that's where the learning is, in the conversations. And if there's judgment, people don't want to have conversations with you. It's Like, oh my gosh, you did what? Oh, you must feel horrible. You know, somebody said that to me, I don't want to have a conversation with them about it, right? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Right. And I think that's the piece that I want to talk about because you kind of said like, oh, keep it to yourself. And I don't think that's exactly what you meant. But but that's not how we did it. Like I did share my journey with food because I had some really healthy um, messages given to me as a child. And so this journey with food has been a long, long one for me to figure out my body, how I want to move, what fuels it, what feels good, you know, all of those pieces. And I am very open with that. The difference is, I don't think at all that it would necessarily apply to anyone else. But what I think is valuable about the conversations, like when I'm talking about, because we, in my family, we, in my, with my kids and, and my husband, we always talk about food and how, what feels good to us and what, you know, how we want to do things because. I think the conversation's interesting because it it does give us this mind of like, oh, okay, yeah, what does feel good for me? What how does this feel? What do I feel about this? Like we're able to have conversations because I for me it was such a valuable piece of my path that I didn't want to keep it from them because I think that's where we can go to the hands-off, right? We can go to like, okay, they're just, just don't give them any information at all. And I just really am a believer that people want information. And what I saw with my kids is that they eat very differently. I mean, one will never eat fruit still to this day. (laughs) One loves fruit and this one loves vegetables and this one loves this. And it's so different how they do it there was no judgment about that. Like, it was just like, does this feel good to you? Does this, do, and it, it, a lot of it was textures and a lot of it was, you know, about energy. And I loved, and this was in a previous episode where, you know, Erica, you were talking about how candy felt different in, you know, Maya's body at different times. Like she craved it and wanted it. And I'm thinking, wow, think of how she's growing and the energy she needed to do things and 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 candy and sugar's a fast energy. So like th- those kind of conversations, I think are interesting. Interesting. And so I think for people, it, it, it's not about not sharing information. It's about keeping that judgment out of
0: it. Yeah. And if I implied it's not when I was talking about journeying alongside each other, I meant in conversation yeah. and sharing yeah. journey and telling each other, oh, like, I'm really craving this or I'm really interested in this and I want to explore this and how it felt. Yes, absolutely. That is what I was trying to get to when I talked about journeying alongside each other. Together, because, yeah, that is so much of what's come out of all these unschooling rules episodes and specifically that self-regulation one that, that our last episode that we were talking about, like it's in the conversations, it's in being together where we all learn pieces, right, where we can process and bounce ideas off each other and just really dig into it and be curious without the judgment piece. But information is awesome. And what I think it helps too that, uh, you know, I noticed in my kids, something that was, I found different as they grew up with different with their peers so much was um, that that the people are different idea, was really like the lens through which they saw the world and their friends. There weren't those judgment pieces, there weren't the expectations that other people were doing it the right way, the one way, um, because that's the way they grew up. Like, how you do things is okay, and that's working well for you, and that's really cool, and somebody else is making different choices, and that is just as cool right? There's no judgment as to one better than the other. And to be able to even just take that idea with you, as you move on into the into the world, and how you relate to friends and all those different pieces, that has been something that has stood out for me over time.
2: Yeah, I, when I'm looking at these, you know, beliefs, it really is, it's these cultural messages that have been ingrained for our whole lives. And so it makes sense that these are challenging you know when we when we first come to unschooling especially and as our kids go through seasons of eating different things and you know it looks different than than what you know our beliefs are telling us it should look like um i wanted to go back to the one about if kids can eat whatever they choose that they'll only choose you know ice cream or chips or candy or something like that um and so i feel like this one is such a popular belief because so many people are going from really extreme controlling of food and so if that has been your culture in your family up until this point and then you decide now my kids can choose they're gonna choose the things that they didn't have access to before that's just human nature and so I feel like I mean in a way yes, this happens. It happens for a while. It happens until they really do have choice, you know? And then also, right, like with my example, with Maya and the candy, there are seasons to it as well. And so, um, I do think it's, it's interesting and kind of important to notice, like, what are you coming from? What are your kids' internalized beliefs about food? Do they think they really have a choice? You know, how limited have they been in the past? And then really look at that. um, It seems like they only want to eat ice cream moment for what it is, which is a human being who wants to choose the thing that they have never been allowed to have before. I
0: do like that because that is such a valuable lens because they're especially um when restrictions are being released it's not so about the cho- so much about the choice that they're making it's the fact that they have the choice yeah <laughs> right it's like oh now i can choose this thing can i still choose this thing an hour from now can i still yeah. choose this thing tomorrow can like they're going to they are going to keep choosing that or don't be surprised if they choose to keep choosing choosing. that until it really feels like a choice that they have and that it will maybe not be taken away from them. If, you know, if I choose it one more time, will you finally decide that we're going to put restrictions (laughs) back in place? And and it works with food and it works with tech use and it just works with anything that is previously restricted because it's human nature, I think, you know, when something's been restricted...
1: I can do this now. and to test it because kids want to make sense of things. Right. You know, so they're going to test that. OK, where is the limit? Ice cream for a month. Is that the limit? Is it, you know, every meal that, you know, is that the limit? And so but what I i don't know, something that just keeps popping up to me as we're talking. I really think the release of judgment is probably the most important piece because we can think about all different aspects. So it's like the particular food, it's the time they eat the whatever, but I'm also thinking, so I was what was called the picky eater, you know? So I had a very limited diet when I was younger. It involved a lot of potatoes in all forms. And, you know, I think there were times my parents worried about like how restricted, but they really never said anything about it or whatever. And, you know, it was what's interesting now is as an adult, I understand looking back that it was certain textures, it was certain things that just didn't work for me. And now I have this incredibly varied diet of things that I love, you know, like I I know different things that I didn't have access to when I was a kid. And so I think it's just not about judging because I think we, you know, I've seen families like you have to try everything on your plate. You have to do, you know, this, I want you to be this well-rounded eater, but, but back to people are different. You know, we don't know how that food is being experienced, you know, spicy versus not spicy textures, you know, salty versus sweet. Like we don't know what that even feels like to another person. And so I think that trust and just letting go of that judgment, we. Just learn so much more. I I feel like my parents probably could have done that. Like, I don't think they shamed me about my eating, but I don't think they also asked a lot of questions where I probably could have said, I just think mushrooms are gross, you know? (laughs) And so I don't want to eat that thing that's smothered in mushrooms. But, you know, we didn't have those conversations, but I feel like I did with my girls and that we would talk about, like, what is it you don't like about fruit? Okay, this is what. And then we could figure out different things. I don't know. I think that letting go of the judgment. And that curiosity, just it's the learning.
2: Yeah. The the letting go of judgment is not easy (laughs) because of the culture, you know, just how deeply ingrained it gets. And so I think that is like a really big part of the journey is just intentionally trying to release that learning new and different things about food that you didn't realize before learning things about, you know, child development and trusting that you cannot know someone else's internal experience. And so we really just have to believe people when they say it doesn't work for them for whatever reason, whether it's just it makes them feel more comforted to eat foods like that, or it's a texture thing, like you're saying. I mean, there can be so many reasons. And when kids are young They won't even be able to describe necessarily what it is that, you know, how it's bothering them. Maybe it's even making them feel sick. They just can't even (laughs) describe what that is. And so, right, for something like food, it's a shame that there are such kind of strong beliefs about what is right and what is good, um, because that can distract us from really listening to the only person who knows what this experience is like, which is the person who's eating the food.
1: Right. And not to be dramatic, but I think that can lead to disordered eating in that we're not listening to what working for us. We're either you know being influenced by this outside voice or being shamed about what we're eating. And so it just disconnects us from what actually works for ourselves.
0: Yeah. And I think for me, when I was starting to feel, um, I don't know, that worry rise or things like, for me, it, it wasn't about stuffing that down or saying, oh, I'm an unschooler. I shouldn't worry about that stuff. But for me, it was more information like, Oh, you know, what are other possibilities? You know, I came across intuitive eating the idea of that, the concept of that, as I was looking into, Oh, you know, looking into diets, looking, this is the best way, you know, to eat, et cetera. When I could get more information um, that really helped me see that, Oh yeah, this is the conventional story that I am hearing regularly, but there are other stories and other things are working for other people that open things up. And that helped me because when I think about all our, all all the many, many different pieces of our food journey, which, you know, included being vegetarian for many, many years and, and included type one diabetes and, you know, all these different pieces and textures, likes, dislikes, all those things just alongside, For me, what really helped me move through those, I think, looking back, was just coming at it with a lens of abundance versus right. That lens of abundance. If somebody had a texture thing, it's like, oh, that's really curious, and thinking about other things maybe with that same texture or without that texture, or you know. So it was always about bringing more possibilities in when they were, you know, if they were feeling that they didn't like certain things. Like I didn't want them to think, okay, yeah, sure. I don't want to make you eat that. I'm not going to make you eat that, but we got a peanut butter sandwich here for you. Right, <laughs> your right. Enjoying that. <laughs> You know, so to have that abundance really yeah. just helped us play so much more and be so much more relaxed around. Yeah.
1: It's just, it's so funny how like our brains are so similar in that way. Like, because that's abundance was exactly what came to mind for me in kind of a different angle because, um, so I, like for me, food is medicine. Like it is, I don't, really participate in Western medicine. And so the food I eat is important to me. And it was important and it was something that we talked about in my family, but it was with that lens of abundance. And that makes all the difference (laughs) because there was never anyone feeling like they didn't have the sweet they wanted, the salt they wanted, the variety they wanted, the everything they wanted. We would just find a way. And so I think that feeling of abundance, like watch, so, you know, if you're, I think it can be so unique to Every family. So there, again, there's not one way for this to look. So I hope everybody's getting that. Like, there's not one way, there's a variety of ways. For, that people are going to eat and, and it's going to look. But what I would say is just how does the energy feel? Like, I feel like that might be a more helpful lens too than like the specifics of, you know, they're eating ice cream every day for breakfast or they're never eating ice cream or they're never having soda or whatever the thing is. How's the energy? Because what, what I know from my family and some people find this hard to believe, but you can ask my kids, <laughs> they're old, they've been there a long time. The energy around food was just, we love food. <laughs> like let's find good amazing food and and enjoy it and so it just had a feel of we can have all kinds of amazing food that we love and there was never a scarcity. And I think that checking that energy. And if you, and, and I would say that's not what I felt growing up because there was some shame around eating and some, you know, Oh, don't eat. And I mean, plus my mom just turned 90. She still talks about her weight and the thing or whatever. So like I grew up with that and that's what I didn't want. Like it wasn't about the specific foods. It's like, I just wanted an energy of, we can eat delicious foods and feel good and love our bodies and know our bodies. And anyway, yeah,
2: Yeah, I, I'm thinking about, um, So like, as my kids got bigger, it seemed like they kind of narrowed in on like, Mm -hmm. these are the few things that we want to eat right now. And, you know, it gets a little bit frustrating for me when I know all the abundant foods in the world and and they're just doing this narrowing. But I think, I mean, it's probably just a phase of growth too. Um, But one thing that really helped us was to start, one of the first things was food TikTokers. So like Mm -hmm. to see people quickly making foods, Oliver started showing me, doesn't this look amazing? And (laughs) then we could make it, you know, things like that. Um, We got one of those recipe boxes, deliveries, you know, where they bring, they, you pick out the recipes and then they send you the food. So we tried that for a little while just to kind of mix things up. And both kids just—they liked seeing the photo of the food, and it had a name to it. And you know, it's just a little bit, a little different, a little more like, oh, we're at a restaurant, or you know, like, oh, this is something that has been designed to be really delicious or whatever. And so things like that have helped us to just kind of expand what's possible or what they're interested in. Um, It was—I mean, it's cute to watch them grow up. Like, I really just—I'm having the best time with it, but recently oliver just said um i was so hungry and daddy gave me leftovers and there was a lot of beans and rice and i just ate it all i don't know if he had ever even tried it before but in this new growing phase he's just like i need some food and so he's just much more willing to try anything and so he's like and i think i really like it i've been thinking about beans and rice a lot lately <laughs> and so stuff like that like like rather than when he's little me saying this is good for you I want you to eat beans and rice you have to try some beans you know just if that had been the path I just feel like the experience would be so different and he wouldn't have that kind of realization and the ownership and the like deciding for himself that like okay this is a food that's now on my list of foods I like and so yeah it's really fun
0: I think, I think too, even as they're narrowing in the difference, the huge differences, it it, is even with that abundance mindset in that they know it's a choice, right? It's not because these are my only options. It's not the scarcity mindset of it. It's the abundance of all the things that I could choose. These are the five. This (laughs) This is what I want. Yeah. (laughs) For the next six months (laughs) or however, ever long. But yeah, it's just a completely different energy as Anna was talking about when you think, just just consider the energy you know around food and that would I think will be a great guide as you're starting to play with things and just with older kids now um that was reminding me because as your kids were playing with you know the the food meal boxes and all the different things um I see right now Two that playful attitude is also transferring and helping with the you know them now cooking their own food, <laughs> like they have made food along the way. And just over the years, have they as they have taken that on more and more, that playful, open, abundant kind of attitude has also helped them as they've been transitioning to, you know, adult lives or whatever, as they're, as they're taking on more of the food prep as well for themselves. So, you know, it's, it comes with that whole mindset. I think the whole ethos of them growing up where, you know, we can figure things out. We can play with things. There's no judgment of one thing as better than the other. There's lots of conversations about, so like they even check in with how they, they're okay with saying, ew. You know, I didn't like that, you know, next time when I make it, I'm going to do this or, you know, and, and we're okay with asking, how did you like that? If we made something, you know, and getting feedback from them that it's not judgmental or you did something wrong, but it's like for that person, that person's taste, because people's taste for salt, people's taste for spices, you know, do not give me, give me cilantro, you know, all those pieces. (laughs) are really how people are different and we can bring that in and I think you know what that just made me think so many of our like as we started unschooling that first year or two where we ended up with food for a very long time and I would say even still now was that our um, meals became more kind of like, um you know, we would just put out different things, we wouldn't mix everything together. And here's your one meal, or we wouldn't make plates for each other, I would put out a variety of things, and be sure that there was something that you know, that there were other things for the vegetarian for Lissy to have that weren't meat based. And you know, somebody doesn't like this, but somebody else really loves this, we're going to have this, but we're going to have something else. So it's not like I'm making three different meals. It's like when I'm Coming up with a meal, I've got like three or four different pieces yeah. to it, but I keep them separate so people can pick and choose what they want. And then they can add more things that they know are around the kitchen, et cetera. But to put it more potluckish, <laughs> right. um, so that people still had the choices right then and there as to what they felt like eating out of a few options that were there really helped. Um, with the not bringing judgment to it, because there were options, it really helped with the people are different. And yeah, your sibling grabbed this thing, and you grabbed this thing. And you know, oh, geez, everybody went for that. We'll make more of that next time. It just really, again, helps the energy be more open and playful around the whole kind of food experience, I think. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm, I've talked on the network before about those adaptable meals, you know, where it was like, okay, we can yeah. take this sauce off, add onion separately. And but again, with no weight about it, you know, it's just like, yeah, we all like different things. And they see me grabbing different things than David grabs, and they grab different things. And so I love that. And there was also, you know, we tended to do that type of adaptable meals for dinner. Um, For lunch, sometimes it was completely different. You know, this one wanted this, and I'm making this thing. And then, you know, they want this, and they want to heat this up from yesterday. And so it's, again, I just didn't want any weight around it. I just wanted it to be like, it's, you know, we eat because we enjoy eating and it fuels our body and it doesn't have to have the weight that it can have that, that I've had to shed for a long time.
2: I'm just thinking like to, to be able to have a childhood where it's okay to say that you don't like a food That in itself is like such an amazing gift, I feel like, because I mean, I get it because, you know, the adults are the ones who are buying the groceries, trying to figure out what works, preparing the food. And so it can be hard to hear. this doesn't taste good to me. But, but if we are kind of open and curious, really focusing on learning about the different people in our family, then it's just, it's really good information and they're learning about themselves and they're feeling comfortable enough to share with us what they're learning about themselves. And then, you know, the next time we have a chance to make it even better. And so I just think that's amazing. And I also wanted to mention just um, you know, like the seasons in our own lives, it's, there's not just like we were talking about with the, you know, the expectations of this self-regulation, like there is not an end point you will get to in your life where this is, we figured out the diet that works period, you know, because our bodies change over time, their bodies are growing and changing over time. And so like, just to kind of view it in this kind of long game, this food journey, you know, that we're all individually on it. Like, I feel like that's, it's much more expansive. It's much more abundant. It's much, much less judgmental. It's so much more about just right now in how my body is right now, what is working well for me and not extending that to what is going to work well for anyone else. And I don't know, it, it just, it helps me and my family avoid so much kind of, arguments and conflict and everything if if we all are really free to be where we are with our eating.
0: Okay, I want to grab but from what both of you were just talking about because I love that you know bigger picture longer seasons things change over time and tying that to you talking Anna about you know, I just make like this lunch and this lunch because we did the same thing like kind of breakfast and lunch. We're just kind of, what What would you like? What would you like? And so when you take that that lens of the big picture and you put it to your day, time also doesn't need to control it, right? So the reason breakfasts and lunches were just kind of what would you like and grabbing you something was because they weren't often all hungry at the same time, <laughs> right? right. I was hungry at the same time that they were hungry, like I was hungry when I first got up. So I ate something. And then when they got up, some were hungry immediately, some wanted to eat later. And then even though I made like that adaptable meal dinner, there was also not specifically a time component that said, Okay, now you need to stop what you're doing and come. Now, I would definitely right. go around like we'd have conversation. Oh, I wish I knew that dinner was ready because I liked to eat it hot or whatever. So I would always walk around and say, Hey, you know, food's ready when you're hungry. Food's ready. If you can take a break. And to this day, I still go to my husband, food's ready. I'm going to eat now. He always comes and eats me unless the odd time, if there's something that he's right in the middle of doing, etc. But I mean, so often they did all come within five, 10 minutes, but it wasn't an expectation. If the odd time they were busy with something, totally. If they were super busy with something and they and they said right away, I can't come. It's like, you want me to make a plate and bring it to you? Do you want this, this, and this? My guess out of what was there that they might like. So yeah, that whole long season, long-term seasonal changes with food, also, that time component, like really within your day, too, right, that it can be very the timing of when people are hungry and, and what they might be fancying can be very different. And we can adapt with that as well. I thought that's really cool. <laughs> Think about <laughs> yeah,
2: that's that intuitive, like it can't really be intuitive eating if we have to eat at a certain time, you know? And yeah.
1: so <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I do, too. And but I think it's good in terms of this rules episode to think that some people think that unschoolers never eat together you know that it's never and we actually did i would say 80% of the time had our dinner together at a at a table and but it was kind of like you're saying i would just check in if they were in busy with something no big deal we eat i bring a plate up something else but so often it was just a time we enjoyed being together and doing it but it never had that weight so again i feel like so many of these things are what's the energy like, is it creating conflict? Like you were talking about, you know, you're, you don't have that conflict because they're just, you're, they're able to say, I don't like this. This doesn't work. And so what's the energy like around those meals? Because, you know, a forced family dinner, ugh, like that doesn't feel good, you know? And so I think it's just kind of keeping all that in mind, but it's going to look different in each family.
0: Yeah. Just to jump off that for a quick hot minute. <laughs> the idea of the family dinners like that is another conventional idea that oh yes you must you know bring your family together for 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 a meal right and put the devices away and, and like all those pieces and absolutely that comes from a very well-meaning place because you know parents are off at work kids are off at school you don't have time to be together to engage with each other to talk cuz then you're doing homework and then you're doing go to bed routine like all those pieces. It is kind of the one time of the day (laughs) when everybody can talk to each other. Yet, when you just take a moment to say, ah, but we're not living that lifestyle. We are at home together. You know, we can choose to talk to each other when something comes up, when we connect, when we go in and check in on them, when they come out to share something interesting. Like we are connecting at various points all throughout the day so there isn't that focus on this is the one time when we can talk to each other so we must sit down and eat together so it's not about saying that that's wrong it's about saying oh that doesn't fit with the lifestyle that we have we don't need that tool to maintain connection and relationship with our kids right
1: yeah. And so then it becomes about the choice, right? And so then it's like, maybe sometimes that still works. And so from the outside, maybe it looks like, oh, they have this conventional dinner. But when in fact, it it's not at all that, you know, it really is just like, we have the choice. And this is what's working for this season or for this time, you know, and so I, I love that. I, again, just looking at those cultural pieces, are they serving your family are they making things better or is it creating this rub or this weight or something that you're carrying around that's making you feel bad
2: yeah i'm giggling because i'm just thinking about our family dinners which are don't usually happen family style but it's so funny like so oliver is gigantic and eats super fast so he can get back to what he's doing you know he's always very busy and so he you know we just all know if he's, he comes to the table, he eats. It takes about five seconds and he's gone. You know, that's what it feels like. Maya takes her time, but she loves to eat alone. And so the only real chance for us all to eat together is for us to have some meal that we all like, which that alone is kind of unusual. So we have this food we all like. We have to not tell Oliver to get to the table until, you know what I mean? Like we have to plan it just right. Get Maya to the table. Don't tell Oliver yet. We get up there, you know, Josh and I sit down, Oliver foods ready. <laughs> so Josh will be like, look, we're all eating together. And it's like this little snapshot moment, but it's funny and and right. Like we just have so much time together that there's no wait on that happening. It's just this funny, like little lightning moment. (laughs) We were all eating together (laughs)
1: and then it's over again. (laughs) I love that. Okay so this was really fun you know I think we're we're never going to cover all that needs to be covered about food because it's 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 evolving and you know people bring different things to it and then that kind of reminds me like join us in the network because we've had some amazing talks about food we've had snack plate pictures and all the different creative ways people Bring food into their life, you know. Parents that are struggling to even, you know, make food and do talking about that. So I love that community aspect of people that are kind of blowing the lid off and looking at it differently. Being able to share insights and really have just beautiful conversations that don't have the weight of those cultural expectations. So join us at the Living Joyfully Network. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. But I really appreciate you both um, and just all of this fun conversation about food and and the rules. That may not be serving us. Thanks so much. All right, take care. Bye bye Bye.
0: Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey and be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website livingjoyfully.ca